Welcome to Cows on the Planet, Season 2, Podcast Number 11. This series of podcasts will be exploring the science of beef production, beef, and impacts of cattle on the environment. My name is Kim Stanford, and I'm from the University of Lethbridge. Some of the inspiration for this series of podcasts came from me choking on my cornflakes at breakfast after listening to outrageous statements in the media, such as cows being called the new coal. From our podcast with Karen Boschman on cows and climate change, this claim would not be supported by science, but it definitely has media traction. My co-host is Dr. Tim McAllister, a principal scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, also in Lethbridge. Tim is the bright mind that thought, hmm, maybe we should start a podcast to try to discuss the science and trade-offs behind some complicated cattle-based issues. As someone trying to present a more balanced picture of agriculture, is there anything in particular, Tim, that you are looking forward to in our discussion today? Yeah, I think, Kim, uh, that was a bit of a brainchild I had at that point in time. And I think it was even better that I got somebody like you to do most of the work. So, well, <laughs> Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, O star of the podcast. And I'll just keep doing the grunt work behind the scenes. But I agree that there's definitely a lot of misinformation out of there. That was really the impetus for getting the podcast going and trying to look at some of the science perspectives. Often we're talking about trade-offs. You know, there's no one absolute perfect way to produce food. And so I think a big challenge that we have with climate change and all the issues that we're dealing with with sustainability is to understand those trade-offs and try to pick the best pathway forward. And media and documentaries and all of that has a really strong influence in setting the public's direction. And so we're looking forward to talking with Sarah and Ben and some of the efforts they've made in that area to also provide a balanced perspective of the role of the beef industry in food production. So to share their insights on how to best connect with the general public on agriculture-related issues, we have as our guests Sarah Ray and Ben Wilson, documentary filmmakers from Story Brokers Media House. Sarah and Ben, welcome to Cows on the Planet. Thank you so much for having us. We're super excited to talk with you guys. I think it's an important topic. Well, we're super excited and also slightly nervous as this is the first time we've had two guests on at a single time. So fingers crossed. For our first question, what were the steps along the way that led you to become documentary filmmakers? Our journey started, actually, it's a pretty interesting story. We started in 2008, and our mission was to go and tell stories about farmers. We noticed that there was sort of this new trend, and social media was just new, and there's a lot of people telling agriculture stories on behalf of farmers who weren't actually involved in the industry. So we decided that we wanted to have full representation of the farmers in the way that we saw them, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly. So it was our mission to tell the real story, and, and and whatever that looked like. So we started in 2008, and then that led us to actually doing it full-time in our career. That's cool. I've seen Guardians of the Grassland. Have you made other movies? Do you have a huge filmography? So as Sarah said, we started back in 2008, and that was as part of a nonprofit called Farm On. So we had a website called farmon.com where we posted a ton of content. And because it was our foray into the world of social media, most of our video production was formatted with that really short attention span in mind. So it was YouTube videos, it was content for Facebook and Twitter. And it wasn't until recently, so we started Storybrokers Media House three years ago as our full-time occupation for both Sarah and myself. 
And then it was, I guess, two years ago that Guardians of the Grasslands came out. And we're working on a number of other documentaries currently. But Guardians was sort of our first big launch into the filmmaking scene as a short documentary that hit the film festival circuit. So the mission statement for Cows on the Planet is to try to take science-based information concerning cattle and their impacts on the environment and try to present a balanced perspective so that people can make up their own minds about some of the hot-button issues. Do you have a similar approach with your films, and how do you choose the topics for your films? Yeah, we totally have. And for us, it's been really an organic process. The neat thing about what we do in our business is that we get to talk to such a vast base of knowledge within food production. So we talk with, you know, farmers and ranchers who are on the ground level all the way to the scientists working in labs. And I find it really incredible because along the way you see so many stories and so many different projects people are working on that are really about not only bettering the industry and continually improving it, but then also different passion projects that people have or or different ways that they're working on improving things like the environment. So a lot of our topics are actually coming out of meeting people along the way and learning about their own passions and what they do, probably very similar to what you guys do with podcasting. And it educates us and it gives us knowledge. And then we start to say, wow, like we see a spot for this where the public might be really interested and it sort of spurs us into action and taking that story to the public and sharing our own insights on it. So there's a lot of beef producers in Canada. How do you decide who to select and who to focus your documentaries on in terms of content? Well, we're really fortunate that for the last 12 years or so, we've been so involved in the industry. We've made a lot of connections and relationships within the industry. So we're well connected to a lot of the producer associations, the grazing associations, the commodity groups. And really, those are the people that have their finger on the pulse of who out there is doing really innovative things, who are some of the producers that are really great examples of environmental best practices. And so we've been really fortunate that instead of starting from scratch and just you know wandering around looking for great stories, we're well-connected and pointed in the right direction from some of the groups across Canada that really know. Yeah, I've watched your documentaries and some of the scenery in that, those aerial footages and that that you have are really amazing. And we kind of miss that with podcasting because we don't have the visual part of things, but we can't get away with doing it in t-shirt and shorts, I guess, as well. So Yeah, and our guts sort of hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> so Guardians of the Grassland contains some beautiful scenery and presents some of the positives for maintaining native grasslands through grazing cattle, but how would you tackle issues where there are more trade-offs and cattle are contributing to an environmental problem? Or are you planning to stick to just largely positive messaging for now? And I'm thinking about this because we had a recent podcast that discussed the role that cattle play in deforestation of the Amazon. And cattle are definitely involved, but we found out they're often being used as a tool for holding the land long enough to escape prosecution for deforestation. And organized crime is also um, part of the picture. So how do you talk about something where cattle are not necessarily wearing the white hats, maybe a gray hat? Well, yeah, and I think this is such an important topic because our goal wasn't with Guardians of the Grasslands or with any of the films we do 
to go in and tell anything but what we've learned, essentially. And so part of it is, is there, you know, cattle can play a negative role. And I think that really where we started to have it hit us and why Guardians really made us take action and go and produce that film was talking to Christine Tapley with Ducks Unlimited. And that was the first time that it really struck me that the story the the industry has been talking about and trying to counteract around cattle and the environment is it's always been taken from the angle of the defense of going in and trying to defend cattle on the landscape. And Christine Tapley had said to us while we were on the field shooting with her, she said, it's really about the context and where we have cattle in the environment. And in Canada, they were made to be here. They're part of the ecosystem and they play an important role. And that really struck me because I don't think I've ever heard it put that way before. So for us, when we've created Guardians of the Grasslands, it wasn't about presenting cattle in a positive way. It's really awesome that that's how it landed and it was an important message within the film. But really what the purpose of it was, was to talk about, to meet the public where they're already sort of paying attention, which was endangered ecosystems. And we didn't have any realization after all the work we've done going across Canada and filming all these producers, we had no idea that Canada is home to one of the world's most endangered ecosystems. And so we thought, what a great opportunity to not only educate the public, but also educate farmers and ranchers, because often that message has been missed. And then, of course, cattle play a really important role in the Canadian environment and keeping that habitat thriving and well. So would we tackle difficult issues? Yes, and we are. We're currently working on some documentaries around food waste and cattle and some of the tough issues around methane production. And so I think that those are important things to do and to continue to as an industry, explore and examine and keep on talking about, not only to the public, but within our own industry also. Also, it might seem that this was a really safe story to tackle in the sense that you're right, Tim, like those drone shots are just so stunning and engaging and there's so much beautiful scenery that who could possibly look at that film and just not love it because of all the sheer beauty. But there are also people out there who just plain and simple don't think that cattle should be raised, period. So even within Guardians of the Grasslands, there is some controversy and complexity to be unpacked and to be explored. But you're right that there are some other parts of the industry that are even more complex and have these shades of gray that the public may or may not be very receptive to that take a little bit of skill to tell those stories. Well, we also started off really safe. Our first podcast guest was a really close friend that we could just interview. She was very patient with us anyway. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think like Kim mentioned, our impetus was because of the unbalanced message that we thought that was coming out in the popular media. And that's why we really started the podcast and it was really targeted to the general public. And we've got some, I would describe as general public listeners, but a lot of them are still coming from the agricultural sector. And and we're struggling to get that out to the broader message because a lot of times in the agricultural sector, they're going to know a lot of the things we're talking about and they're going to know about the disinformation that's been out there. And we're not really sure, you know, how to break into that more urban group. I think a lot of it has to do that, you know, they've just got other fish to fry and they're interested in other things and and they really don't want to spend a lot of time dealing on something that they don't see as a clear focus as part of their everyday life. And then we go to media platforms like Netflix and that you can find a lot of negative type of information on there. One good example is I was involved in 2010. I was an author on an article that sort of 
counteracted this group in the U.S. that was writing about the high levels of emissions, and they really had over-exaggerated. They hadn't followed the international standards for emissions from peat cattle production. They, they'd used much higher values than what is accepted by that international committee. And then when I went and watched the, I think it was Cowspiracy on Netflix, all of the numbers that that was used to make those calculations and the information they were sharing was coming from that discredited group in the U.S. is what they used. They didn't use international standard. So off the top of my head, I can think of a lot of negative type of agricultural and livestock and, and cropping as well that have been produced on Netflix, but not a lot of positive ones. Gardenings of the Grasslands would be a perfect example. Why is that not on Netflix, like as a part of that balanced approach? How do we turn that around? Or do you guys see that as an issue? Or what are your thoughts on that? It is difficult. Unfortunately, negative news and scary negative media seems to sell. And like you pointed out, there is a clear agenda behind a lot of those films that have a very strong bias, are often not citing credible science. They're not looking at the recent studies and the actual contextual information to back up their claims, and they're well-funded. There's a lot of money behind them, so it's a tidal wave of misinformation to try to combat. Well, and I think that what's really important is that as we continue to move forward, this is one step in the right direction. And there's been so many people that we've seen, like even in the last year, seeing something like Kiss the Ground come out. Those are going to be new messages coming out from agriculture that are maybe even third party people outside of the industry, which is really incredible and cool. And I think that something like Guardians is really a great stepping stone. It's the first step to having, you know, those messages tried, those topics explored, and then seeing how it reaches the audience. And I think what was really critical with that film is that we really targeted a demographic outside the industry. So we had a focus on the environmental activists. And so a lot of the festivals that we went into were festivals that were specifically environmental based. So we really started to reach the demographics and the people who influenced those realms to take it back to their own communities. And I think in general, that's been very successful to date. In terms of getting on Netflix, we would love to. And <laughs> <laughs> when we made the film, we didn't know we were making the film actually when we started to produce it. And so we made it based on what we thought was needed and what served not only the industry well, but also how to inform the public on a topic Ben and I feel a huge passion on, which is habitat and ecosystems and landscapes. And we made a 12 minute documentary because it was our passion. And so at this point now, what our hope is, is that we will repackage some of these for actual Netflix and potentially do a small series on cattle and the landscape. But that's in the future. <laughs> but that's the hope is that that's how we can get these messages out. But we do need those multi-million dollar feature length documentaries <laughs> yes. that are balancing out some of the cowspiracies and the other ones. But I think that's a good approach that you just described there, though, like when you talk about the film festivals, and that does give you an ability to focus on a specific target. Eh? That's, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So some negative perceptions of agriculture seem to be accepted as a given. There are many people who believe that eating a vegan diet is better for the planet, even though this would require plowing up most of the remaining grasslands for crop production, which would do immeasurable harm to biodiversity and likely drive more species to extinction, as you talk about in your film. Is it possible to get people to start to question negative views of agriculture if they are already fixed? 
in their mind? Or do we need to just target the more undecided part of the population? Who can we go after? Well, I think that's an important question. And for Ben and I, when we make these films, I think in 12 minutes, the likelihood of you explaining enough is very slim. These are complicated topics that are complicated in nature. And in truth, the decisions around them and the impacts both negatively and positively are complex in themselves too, as you would know as scientists. So it takes a lot of understanding. And what our hope is, is that these films push people to question their belief and put enough doubt in their minds that they go seeking. And that's the most that we can hope with this or any documentary is that people become really questioning and seeking more information. And I think that a lot of the work within Guardians of the Grasslands or with our new documentary, Too Close to Home, I think that we're starting to see that. So Ben went on a cross Canada tour to different chefs and he discovered that a lot of the vegans came up and said, I had no idea. And they're starting to question their own beliefs in why they chose to be vegan. And that doesn't mean it changes their behavior, but it at least makes them stop and say, where am I sitting and why did I make these choices? So I think that that's the most we can hope for at this point is that we're having a point where we can reach our hand across the table, shake it and say, let's talk. And I hope that that's what we achieve and we continue to push not only our industry, but the public to start to do more of. So do you think social media can play a big role in that, like reaching out to the 18 to 30 year old urbanite and have that impact? Like we said, it's not really our goal to change people one way or the other. Really, the goal of the podcast is to make sure that people are making decisions from an informed perspective. And, you know, obviously, whatever decision they make is up to them as individuals at that point. But we want them to make sure they have as much information as possible that's balanced when they make those kinds of decisions. Is that similar to your guys' approach? Yeah, I'd say we have a very similar philosophy, Tim. And like Sarah mentioned, it is such a personal decision that we definitely don't have any intentions of preaching to people how they should live or what food choices they should make for themselves and their families. But like you, Tim, and on your podcast, we just want people to know the truth, right? Like to be armed with the facts. And I think that social media is a great way to reach that younger demographic, but it's also a great place to go and learn about that demographic and what are they thinking about? What are they concerned about? Because it is a public place of discourse, there's a lot that can be learned in just observing that millennial demographic through social media as well as a place to reach them. And I think an important point to be made with this is that when we look at anything online, even past social media now, It is so hard. We saw that even with something like COVID across the world. There's so much information that is coming at you day after day after day after minute after minute. It's not hard to create content now. And so it becomes even more important that we proactively tell stories that puts those questions in people's brains and starts to engage them. And I think that's the perfect opportunity with social media. It's, it's a beautiful way to start conversations and to engage with the public in, in an affordable way, because unlike something like Cowspiracy, there's not millions of dollars to be had within the industry. So it gives us a voice and it gives us a platform to storytell. And I think that that's really critical in not only continuing to pass messages on, but also engaging in conversation and learning from each other. And in my mind, with how complex these issues are and how much there is to learn, 
I think that these are always going to be continual conversations. As you guys probably know, research is constant in the industry and we learn new things every day. And so for us to be able to use these platforms to reach out to the public on those issues and not only share them with the public, but also share them with producers to get them into hands faster is really critical. So if you had some guardians of the grassland haters and how did you deal with them? <laughs> well, this is social media, Kim. So <laughs> it goes without saying that there's going to be some some crazy comments and some negativity coming out of the woodwork with anything that you put out there, especially once it starts to reach a larger audience. And we have had a lot of people view the film online. It is publicly available now. So it made its way through the film festival circuits where it was really well received and we, Basically, we were spoiled by having very positive feedback in the film festivals, and we were thrilled with that. But then, of course, once it goes up to YouTube, you get all the crazy YouTube comments. And our approach has been to basically ignore the really extremist comments that are just poking, right? They're just trying to get a reaction, and they want to fight, and they want a big debate. And we kind of decided early on that the YouTube comment thread is not the place to have that discourse. And and sort of stayed away from the confrontation. Well, and I think that what's cool about it is there was some negative, absolutely. But honestly, innately, I don't think very many humans are evil (laughs) and have this idea that they're going to destroy people. And so a lot of the comments that we had, I think, are some of really great opportunity for us as an industry to pause, because a lot of them are things like, why aren't we going back to Buffalo? And there is some really great reasons around that. Yeah, and we have a podcast on that. <laughs> yeah, and it's a really important topic, and I think it should be tackled. People say, well, that's natural. This isn't natural. But, you know, nothing in our society is untouched at this point. And so we have to look and say, okay, if there's not a healthy beef industry, land converts. And we have to look at that. And so it's about individuals own these landscapes. And now we have to find a way to work with them so that's viable. And so there's a lot of information that was coming through that seems negative, but really it's misinformation and really a lack of knowledge of how these industries work. And so I don't look at that as negative and I don't actually even feel an ounce discouraged by that. I look at that as an opportunity for us to tell more stories. And so (laughs) that's what we're going to (laughs) do. And really, a lot of those comments are also just a reflection of what the underlying concern is. And that really is a source of common ground. So when you see those comments about this is what we should be doing, that's what we should be doing, those are people that really care and they really are pushing for change and pushing for the grasslands to be protected. They might have different views on what the best way would be and oftentimes they don't have the knowledge of really deeply understanding the industry and what the complexities are and challenges are for landowners and for government and for everyone involved. So they're putting their opinion out there sometimes without really a lot of knowledge behind it. But I think that what's important to remember is that it's a reflection of the fact that people really do care about this issue. Maybe identifying some of that common ground, you know, where you're talking about like preservation of the grasslands, that there's a lot of people that maybe don't like cows that still want to see the grasslands preserved and they don't understand the role that cows can play in doing that. The other thing I think they often forget is that people are trying to derive a living off the land as well, right? And that land is expensive. A lot of that expense has been associated with urbanization and the pressure that we've had from the acreage markets and that driving the price of land up to the point that it's much higher than anything you can derive from farming that land, whether it be with cattle or cultivation. So I think those kinds of dynamics need to be considered in these kinds of decisions. 
One of our earliest haters was someone who just wrote us off because we were getting funding from the beef industry. So therefore, we were just a tool of the beef industry. How do you deal with that? If you've got funding from the beef industry, what do you say so that you can say, yeah, they're funding us, but they do not control us. I try to say that at the end of every podcast, but I don't know if anybody ever listens. So, Well, yeah, that's huge. And I think that you can't share this story with everybody, and I hope it is out there, but that's not where this started. With Ben and I have always believed we give back to the things we believe in and that we love. And so we've done projects where it's community-based in rural, rural Alberta to raise funds for an arena all the way to Guardians of the Grasslands. And for us, this was a passion project. We have seen enough. We have gone down to, you know, southern Alberta to the last remaining large tracts of these landscapes and see the impacts and see that that animals that have never been there before are being pushed into these areas because of development from cities, from cultivation, from things like that. And these are the last remaining spots for habitat for wild landscapes like this. And so for us, this was a passion project and it was something that we really wanted to tackle, not only for the benefit of ranchers, because of course that was some of it. We believe in what they do, but this was also for the benefit of Canadians. And so for ourselves, that's not where this project started. However, what I am really proud of is that when it was presented to the beef industry and the conservation groups, both of them at the same time, everybody joined together and said, let's partner on this and make sure that it gets out to the public. So that happened after the film was already created, <laughs> which is a little backwards. But I think that what we saw was we saw an industry that was really reactive we were still trying to take our fire hoses out and Weather Network has something out and now Globe and Mail has something out and we keep on putting out fires of these stories that you guys are talking about too that are coming out about cattle that are often negative. And we finally said, let's do something proactively that tells a different story that we see every day, that we're passionate about. And that's how Guardians came to be and was from meeting some beautiful people along the way where we learned that and mostly on the conservation side, which is really cool. So it really provided this ability for conservation, farming and us to work together. And I think that that's a beautiful relationship that continues to develop at this point and an important one to develop. So do you have some new films coming out that you can talk about? Things that our humongous listening audience can look forward to seeing in the future? <laughs> and if you're dealing with food waste, you need to come look at our food waste silage that we're making in another research project we've got. Come on out. Come on out to Lethbridge and take a look at fantastic food waste silage. It's incredibly photogenic. It, it even <laughs> ferments so rapidly that it even explodes occasionally. So we can oh, try wow. to have some, have some special effects. <laughs> well, that does sound enticing. I think, Kim, we could do a film on any aspect of the beef industry and we would end up needing to come to Lethbridge <laughs> to talk to <laughs> some researchers and scientists for sure. So we do have two short documentaries, both similar in length to Guardians of the Grasslands that are in the works right now. The first one being a film titled Too Close to Home. And that one actually just launched, so it's publicly available at tooclosetohome.ca. And it's another aspect of beef production that a lot of Canadians didn't know about. It's focused on the use of cattle in targeted grazing to mitigate the risk of wildfires. So by grazing uh, the forest floor and some of the grass in the areas of BC where we were filming. and Yeah, Amanda Miller, we had her yeah. on a podcast. She was great. 
<laughs> Amanda is fantastic. We were lucky enough to just see Amanda this last week. So yeah, that film is out right now and anyone interested can go check it out. And then as mentioned, we're also working on a short documentary about food waste and that touches on some beef industry topics as well. And that one will be coming out later in the year. Yeah, and that one really intrigues me because that goes into an area, and I'm sure you guys can appreciate this, cow-calf is a really great, easy story to tell. And this one talks more about the feedlot industry, which is, I think, going to be a big topic to tackle and one that is needed. So we're really excited to get that one out. Okay, well, thank you, Ben and Sarah. This has been really an interesting discussion, and it's not a topic we've ever really faced head-on in any of our other podcasts. So thank you so much. Oh, it was our pleasure. We're big fans of the podcast and I think it's awesome that you guys are doing the work you're doing to get more information out to the public and to industry people too. You know, like we said, we've been working in the beef industry for over 10 years. Sarah grew up raising black Angus cattle and has her own herd now, her and her husband. I didn't grow up in agriculture, so I'm coming at this kind of from the outside, but both of us are still learning new things about the beef industry all the time, even now, as I'm sure you guys are too, with all of your different guests. We're older than dirt and still learning, <laughs> still learning stuff from these podcasts, uh, definitely. Yeah, thank you so much, you guys. Yeah, thanks, Amelia. Yeah. Thank you. So, Tim, we've heard how Ben and Sarah choose the people and the message that they want in their films and how they deal with haters. But what would be your take-home points from what they had to say? Well, Kim, I think Ben and Sarah made a lot of great points in terms of the diversity within the beef industry, the different types of producers and people that are involved in that industry and finding common ground. They mentioned the grasslands quite a bit in terms of people wanting to see the preservation of those grasslands and not all those people are necessarily beef producers. There's other people in the community that want to see those special places retained as well. I think one of the big things to think about is that message has to be continually ongoing, that we're probably not going to get everybody seeing the dynamics and the trade-offs that may exist, but you just have to keep plugging away with that message as much as possible to make sure that as much of the communities as, as possible can have a balanced perspective and whatever decision they make from as informed position as possible. So thank you to our listeners. If you are enjoying the podcasts, please share them with your friends who may be interested. We are always happy to take suggestions for future podcasts or revisit topics from old episodes if there is something we have missed. You can send us some feedback on our Facebook page, Cows on the Planet. We can also be reached by Instagram at Cows on the Planet or Twitter at Planet underscore Cows. Our next podcast will discuss the pros and cons of grass-fed beef and will feature Dr. Cyril Kolpatik at the University of California, Davis. We need to thank our production team. Carter Potts is our audio engineer and theme music developer, and he's churning his way steadily through podcast post-production. Uvi Abbasakaria is getting the podcast released every couple of weeks, and Christy Thomas is our social media guru, influencer, and trying to get a few people to listen to the podcast. Now for a few words from our sponsors, which are the Beef Cattle Research Council, Canada Beef, and the University of Lethbridge. Nothing we are talking about represents the views of these organizations, just looking for the honest opinions of other scientists, farmers, or experts in any of the areas we are discussing.